uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. in order. Five enhanced clones, more capable than an army. Yet they exhibit a concerning level of disobedience in disregard for orders. You know who we are. Hunter. Let's go. Echo. Hyperdrive's online. Tech. Prepping to jump. Wrecker. Let's blow something up. Yeah! And Crosshair. Your move. <laughs> We're all you need. I want Clone Force 99 found and wiped out. The galaxy's a dangerous place to be. We need to get out of here. What do you say, kid? You want to come with us? How can I help? The Clone Wars have ended. You can either adapt and survive, or die with the past. Decision is yours. We do what we do. Strap in, kid. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet Eight. 
This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side as always in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we're coming at you with two, count them, two animated shows uh, this podcast episode. First, we'll kick it off with our chief engineer. Bob, why don't you go ahead and share with our listeners the animated show you're going to be kicking off the episode with? Well, um, I begged and begged a long time for us to do this. And we're going to cover Primal. This is kick the show off. This is the uh, Gendy Tartakovsky animated series, about 10 episodes, was on Adult Swim. Primal is the story of a caveman named Spear and his sidekick dinosaur named Fang. Uh, the two form an inseparable bond in the first episode, which tells how Spear lost his family to an attack by an evil dinosaur. He comes across Fang and thinking that she was the one that killed his family, stalks her until she sees her return to her two offspring. Uh, as he watches her care for them, three dinosaurs show up, one of which was the one that did kill his family, and attack. Spear springs into action and fights off the dinosaurs with the help of Fang, but not before one of the dinosaurs devours her children. So Spear and Fang, both having lost their families, set off together, helping each other survive in the course of some amazing adventures. So Primal began as the brainchild of already established animator Gendy Tartakovsky. Tartakovsky was a Russian-American, or is a Russian-American uh, animator, and he was just coming off seven highly successful seasons of Samurai Jack, but had also done, created, and produced such popular series as Dexter's Laboratory, The Powerpuff Girls, uh, Symbionic Titan, and Star Wars Clone Wars. Uh, he also did the Hotel Transylvania movies. No. Before that, that, he had cut his teeth doing doing animation for uh, Two Stupid Dogs and Batman the Animated Series. So his star was rising, and the question was, what's next? So back in 2008, Tartakovsky was playing with an idea of a boy and his dinosaur. At the time, he was working on an aborted live-action Astro Boy movie. Being influenced by the father of Japanese animation, Osamu Tezuka, his designs were very much influenced by Tezuka's first and most famous creation, Mighty Adam slash Astro Boy. While working on Samurai Jack's seventh season, the most adult, in fact, that's when the show moved over to Adult Swim, he realized that fans of the show were most enthusiastic over sequences he had done that did not involve dialogue, where action, sound, and music moved the scenes along. He thought maybe he could do an entire episode like that, or better yet, an entire series. This brought him back to The Boy and His Dinosaur. But by this time, he was reading the Conan novels by Robert E. Howard and thought instead of te a Tesca approach, it might be interesting to do more of a Howard, Frank Frazetta type of style. He brought in art director Scott Willis and fleshed out his new vision, which he called Primal. It was an easy sell to the Cartoon Network's Adult Swim, and they began work on five episodes, which later extended to ten for the first season. Tartakovsky then assembled a crew, just basically people he had worked with and people he found on the internet. Uh, he did find an uh, animation studio over in France called La Cachet and uh, con contracted them to handle the animation for the series. La Cachet's work was all hand-drawn on tablets and finalized and colored digitally in a program called TV Paint. They found it easy working with Tartakovsky since he was an animator and 
due to the lack of dialogue, it was all visual. And basically, he could also correct the storyboards himself. So instead of sending them numerous notes, they would send him the storyboards and he would sit there and make corrections and visual notes, redrawing things as he went. So the collaboration had about as much talking as the series itself did. So Christian Selwald, Shellwald, who had done background designs for Hotel Transylvania, was brought in to handle backgrounds for Primal. His line work and style was so impressive that many of the backgrounds kept his original line work and painted over it, making for some very unique images. Joseph Stefano was brought in to do character designs and come up with some of the more bizarre and outlandish characters, creatures, and dinosaurs that would be featured throughout the series. With the lack of dialogue and narration, sound effects and music played a big part in carrying the show from scene to scene and helped convey some of the deep emotions of the series. Tyler Bates, who had worked on such movies as Guardian of the Galaxy, Watchmen, Deadpool, and the John Wick films, as well as various songs with Marilyn Manson, was brought in along with his collaborator Joanne Higginbottom. Together, they used minimal instruments and sonic tunes to form the background music and bring the world of Primal to life. Joel Valentine took the role of sound designer, producing all the roars, crunches, snaps, crackles, and slithering sounds. The show was broadcast on Adult Swim, has recently been released on Blu-ray, and is already green-lighted for a second 10-episode season. also have to kind of give a tip of the hat to Aaron LaPlante. Uh, he's the voice of Spear, the caveman. And uh, there's a great, if you look up on, uh, well, either on the Blu-ray or on YouTube, there's a great uh, video of him doing sound work where he's behind a microphone and just grunting. He'll just sit there, uh, 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 and then you'll see him just go, and just you see his tonsils and his tongue sticking out and his teeth. And <laughs> yeah, and at the very end, he'll say, How was that? But uh, that was, you know, that's that was his job. I think he had one word in the entire series. We'll get to that later, but most of it was grunts and growls and roars and whatever that uh, that spear used to to converse with Fang. That's that's interesting. What uh, what did you think? Uh, how, how did you find the series, Bob? Did you find it on uh, Adult Swim or HBO or? I actually saw it like after because I hadn't really paid much attention to it. In fact, I didn't watch Samurai Jack. I since went and bought the Blu-ray of Samurai Jack since I enjoy Primal so much. I'll be binging that at some point. But uh, a lot of people online were talking about how cool Primal was and and uh, just the uniqueness of a cartoon not having dialogue. I guess the only one I can think of that was the same that didn't have dialogue would be like the Pink Panther, right? Yeah, uh, the early mm-hmm. Tom and Jerry's as well. They, they'd have screams and grunts and stuff, but no real no real dialogue and and they were easy to then show in different countries. Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing. So you don't have to dub any of this. But right. um, yeah, so Debbie and I watched ended up watching I think on Amazon Prime and uh we we ended up getting like an Adult Swim app. Where we watched the rest on that. But mm. uh, I just recently bought the Blu-ray and of course binged through it once again. And uh, I really enjoy it. I could watch it over and over and over again. <laughs> that's cool. Um you know, I I had no idea he was involved in Powderpuff Girls and uh and and some of the other animation. He he has quite a, a pedigree actually in in the field of animation. Well, what really surprised me was uh, Clone Wars and uh, the Hotel Transylvania movies. I think Hotel he was, Transylvania. 
I think he was only involved in the first Clone Wars film. I don't know that he was involved in the series, but we can yeah. check on that. Well, well there mean, was in, in everything I, was, I looked up, he said, it said he was one of the creators. Well, I was Wars. at Comic Con uh, when they premiered the Clone Wars. So initially, before uh, there was a Clone Wars animated movie, uh, and then they had seven seasons of that um, or, or so. But before that movie, he did these little vignettes that were meant to fill in the gap between two and three. So it ended with Grievous kidnapping Palpatine, if I remember correctly. And there were, like I said, about two or three minutes. There was no dialogue. It was just Mace Windu pulling the bolts out of battle droids and throwing them back at them using the force. It was Yoda mm -hmm. leading a charge against, uh, you know, battle droids. Um, I, I have the DVD uh, somewhere. Uh, I think it lasted for a season or two, a couple of two or three years. Mm -hmm. You're right. It's I was checking online and it says it is a considered a micro series yes. of 25 episodes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, since, you know, they, they started rebranding Star Wars, that version of the Clone Wars is not considered canon. Uh, last I read, Disney may have changed their minds. But anyway, I had no idea he did that either. And that's going to be an, an interesting segue later on in this episode. Um <laughs> But anyway, let's kick it up to the satellite. Karen, your exposure to Primal, uh, what did you think? How did you, Bob is the one who introduced the series to you and I. Mm -hmm. We began to watch. You began to watch. What? What? What's your takeaway? Well, my, my first thought, and I think I shared with either both of you or one of you, was that it was like a psychotic alley-oop <laughs> um, in the design, you know, and sort of the behavior. It was like... You know, okay, it's a caveman with a dinosaur, but it's very bloody and very brutal and very violent. Um, so, you know, I can and I can appreciate a lot of the the art and the, especially the color palette for the uh, the animation and everything. I'm I'm certainly I'm not as enthusiastic as Bob, but I do think it's a, a very interesting show. Um, and it seemed as the episodes got on, it got more and more into um, sort of a bizarre fantasy-like storytelling uh, with, you know, at the beginning it was sort of like, okay, there's dinosaurs, there's mammoths and stuff. And then we started getting like Batman and witches and all kinds of crazy stuff. So they kind of, as they went along, it kind of sloped off into fantasy so it was you know interesting to see the direction they were they were going with it mm -hmm. well i mean it's definitely interesting that you know like you say it starts off very primal basically <laughs> and then as it goes on yeah i think it was the episode with the bat creatures which they come in about maybe halfway through and the rest of the series definitely takes a fantasy slant because you get like ape men and you get the bat creatures and the night cre the night creeper and the witches and all that um so yeah it's going to be interesting to see where the next season goes because it yeah. was definitely took it in a totally different direction especially in the last episode well i i will say jasmine uh started watching the series with me and i think it was hbo max that had it i don't think it was amazon but you know honestly there's so many different outlets that have so many different things on it i i couldn't swear to it but um the first episode i found to be interesting i could see why bob enjoyed it um dinosaurs some blood and some gore um 
I, I at first I was kind of like, but but there's no talking. There's no. It was easy to follow the story, though. I mean, didn't have to say you killed my family, you bastard. You know, the the grunts and the I, I give the animators credit because the emotion that's shown. Oh, and I didn't know that they had names. The dinosaur and the caveman. So, so that was interesting. So anyway, um, what I enjoyed about the series, and I think I'm going to watch it again because it ended very well. Um, as with any show, some episodes are stronger than others. But, uh, Bob, when you were uh, introducing uh, the intro in the beginning of the podcast, Frazetta, and now I'm thinking, you know, Conan had like gorillas. I remember a cover of one of the Conan books. So there would be an episode where there was like a zombie dinosaur and that was an homage to whether it was uh, Evil Dead or or, uh, George Romero or whatever. It was very smart. It was very fast paced. It was very gory. Um, The gorilla (laughs) episode, kind of like a Planet of the Ape, kind of maybe a Conan kind of very gory. But then again... You know, when we watched The Boys on on Amazon Prime, it's a very gory. When we watched Lovecraft Country, it's very gory. I felt it didn't take away from the story. The more I watched Primal, the more I started to dig it. I'm not going to say I I love it, but I I do like it and respect it. And I did watch, uh, Bob, you'd posted a a thing on the background of, uh, or the making of Primal, and and I saw the the animators in France and and the creator talking about the vision that they had and and the background. Um, So it gives you an appreciation. Uh, One of my favorite scenes, I don't know the name of the the episode, was the dinosaur (laughs) chasing on the beach. Oh, there's the dinosaur now. (laughs) (laughs) dino dog anyway you're saying (laughs) yeah just the the dinosaur chasing the butterflies butterflies that was a very like fun little thing to throw into an episode that you know unfortunately had a lot of like um um uh, what's the word i'm looking for well i mean you know there was a lot of blood and violence well that was a great contrast in that episode because it starts off with spear and fang finding an oasis and uh and that was actually the last of the first five episodes then they had like a one-year break before the next five but anyway uh yeah they found an oasis and you know spears out there swimming in the lake and fang is sunning himself on a rock and then suddenly it takes a turn as spears like swimming towards the surface and sees these little ape guys mm-hmm. run across the edge of the water and then when he gets up there fang is gone and he sees the path where they dragged him off into the jungle so he gets up and tries to start to uh, chase after and then gets knocked out and caught himself. And it kind of goes to black and then it comes back up and then the episode takes a complete turn. And that's when you see the ape men that were basically, they had like half a dozen big brutish gorilla types that were fighting an arena to uh, establish who was the strongest. And the strongest one ended up drinking about like a drop of this potion. And, uh, (laughs) And his prize was to take on Fang. And so he and the dinosaur are fighting, and he's just wiping the floor with Fang until Spear is able to kind of gnaw his way out of his ropes or his vines and runs up to the bowl of potion. And, like, this guy drank, like, a drop, and Spear drinks, like, the entire bowl (laughs) and turns into this big green Hulk creature and just wipes out the gorillas and their whole tribe of ape men and everything else. But but that's also, like I say, it was the end of the first five before a year break. 
So at the very end, he's trying to uh, nudge uh, Fang and wake him up, and you know, by all intents, he's dead. You know, they, he thinks he's uh, he's been killed by this ape man. But Fang is a her. Is a her, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's true. She. She Fang is a is dead. Former mommy. Yeah. yeah. But then a year but, later, uh, they pick up with an entire episode where he's patching her up and he gets her on this big sled and he's like pulling her across. And as they're uh, making their travels and he's trying to basically revive her, you've got hyenas and vultures and all the scavengers of the primordial jungle that are swooping along and stalking and waiting for her to die, basically, so they can jump in and, and eat the corpse, I guess. Yeah, some of those ape creatures kind of reminded me of the Morlocks. Yeah, I could see that. You know, so again, there were these tips of the hats to to different movies, different genres that I well, kind of picked up on. Well, there the, was the also man bats. there was also sort of an ape like or whatever tribe in the bat creature episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're in the cave. They're trying to you know hide from it and all that. Right, yeah. right. Um, and then you know what's worse than like chimpanzee morlocks and man bats and velociraptors well a huge ass spider uh creature and it was just like whoa what was frustrating for me is i watched it on hulu and they had two episodes out of order so they had the episode where they had the ape creatures and and spear hulks out and then the next episode they flipped six and seven so suddenly i think seven was the zombie dinosaur right and everything everybody was okay and i was like well this is weird what's going on and then the next episode was him nursing her back to and i was like oh damn it (laughs) (laughs) the episodes I've been spoiled. It's a throwback to Thrillville when Will would have the uh, Hercules movies out of sequence and then a completely different movie at the end. Yeah. Oh, he showed showed Mothra one time and Sony had like the reels out of sequence and the scenes were all jumbled up and it was crazy. Those were some good times. But uh, like I said, the the episodes were good. You know, there were some were stronger than others. Uh, I liked the way that it ended and and it left me wanting more. So um, I think I'll I'll go in and and watch it again. Um, You know, prior exposures and we kind of talked and joked around uh, to to dinosaur, whether it's animation or the comics, you know, devil dinosaur, the Herculoids and. This is nothing like those. <laughs> I did think about Devil Dinosaur when I, when Bob first brought it up. I was thinking, well, like that, you know, there was Kirby's Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur. It's like, right. eh, no, this is not that. It might have been no. more like that originally when he when uh, Spear was actually a kid riding the dinosaur and looking kind of Tesco like, <laughs> but uh, no, it definitely evol- evolved. There's also one that I thought was a really deep episode, and that was uh, Coven of the Damned. That was like episode eight. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the one where uh, Spear and Fang see this caveman that's tied up between these pillars uh-huh. with all these glowing symbols on him. And uh, this basically tribe of, I don't know if you call them shamans or whatever, but they're basically, you know, screaming, yelling at him because there's no dialogue. And then suddenly this... Uh, like witch-like creature comes flying down on a pterodactyl, walks up to the guy, becomes this other unearthly creature, sucks the force out of him, and becomes pregnant. No. And then yeah, gives birth weird. and hands the baby over to one of the tribe. 
So, uh, you know, it just kind of implies this tribe can't procreate on their own. And this is how I guess the tribe keeps going is this is a specter that comes down and births these babies for them. But uh, I was wondering, it looked, she almost looked like an alien to me. So I don't know if it's like an alien. Well, that's the thing. It's like the things that they're introduced. I'm thinking the things they introduced in this series will probably carry over into the next season. Next, But yeah, yeah, one of the tribe though, um, sees Fang and Spear and basically hypnotizes Fang and uh, ties up Spear and, creates this portal yeah that he's able to mm-hmm. jump through and go back and look at their pasts and that's when we see you know sort of more of uh spears past with his family before they got killed and then we also see basically flashback scenes of what happened with fang and and, and her two uh children but uh it turns out that the the member of the tribe had lost a daughter as well basically to an accident where she fell off a cliff so she has like empathy for Spear and Fang and then comes back and ends up like killing the pterodactyl and, you know, battling the, uh, the witch. Well, the witch turns into a, uh, into a wolf, right? And then the, the yeah. tribe member turns into a hawk and they're fighting and she ends up getting yeah. killed and reunited with her son. But it was a pretty deep episode for something like that, and especially for something with no dialogue, just all the things that, that happened in that and how different it was from just a, you know, cavemen and dinosaurs. Yeah, that, that's a good point. It, it was uh, one of the more different episodes. Uh, it's kind of like Wizards to me, that one movie, just the way that the witches looked and that kind of like a uh, midget witch and she kind of have to jump up to go through the portal. It was just kind of like a weird kind of animation. It, it worked. Yeah. I mean, I'm not knocking it. It was just uh, it was odd. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I have never seen Ralph Bakshi's Wizards. Oh, I know. I feel really, really bad about that. I um, did see it in the theater when it came out, but I haven't seen it since. So I just have vague memories of it. I did it's, see Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, though. Oh, <laughs> horrible. Yeah, yes, Wizards came out just before he started doing all the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies and all that. Well, I liked that this episode a lot, but there were a lot of questions in it. You know, like you, you guys say, you know, were these creatures humans? Were they something other than human? Were they some sort of mutated human beings? It's it's really hard to say. And it sort of leads me to the question about, like, where is this all taking place? And and I had, that question was even bigger after the final episode. Like, where and when does Primal take place? Because... There's a lot of things that seem to not, you know, obviously it's not your traditional prehistoric past, but there's a lot of things that don't fit. So, like, where are we? Yeah, I mean, it's basically this woman who's obviously either a slave or prisoner is escaping from her captors. And uh, she ends up being aided by Spear and Fang kind of reluctantly. But this is the one episode where we sort of get dialogue because she's trying to teach spear how to talk but it's in her dialect it's not you know it's not english or it's just like a made-up dialect that she had except for her name was uh what mira mira yeah she kept trying to you know tell him uh, you know mira and pointing to herself he wouldn't have any of it but then at the end she's uh i guess recaptured by Mm -hmm. her people and off they go on like almost like a viking ship and the kind of it kind of ends spoiler alert with a close up of uh, Spear and he just says Mira and it yeah. ends. So I assume the next season will pick up you know 
where that left off. The last two, well, the, the last one premiered in like October. So I'm thinking actually both of them did. So this next one maybe in October, but sometime probably by the end of the year, mm-hmm. it'll kick off again. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen any news on it. Uh, I wasn't looking specifically for that, but, you know, you get all kinds of stuff in your feed. Yeah, well, I was I was like reading interviews with Tartakovsky and things. And he said they, they were going to work on the next season and it was going to be crazier than the first. <laughs> of course, I just read something this morning where Taika Waititi just said that Thor Love and Thunder was going to be crazier than Ragnarok. So that might just be the catchphrase for these guys. I don't know. But, but uh, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, that means there's a group of people that have, like, boats and language and, right. you know, and they had that big collar around her that was obviously something that, you know, implies what, like, blacksmithing and stuff like that. So. Well, I guess they're like, was it a cult of the scorpion or something like that? And she had yeah. this big scorpion tattoo on the back of her head. So there's a whole group of people somewhere else that are much advanced than Spear and his people were. And it almost made me think, so does Spear live on an island that's sort of like the lost world or the savage land? You know, maybe right. maybe he's just an isolated situation and there's civilization elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I don't know. His island has the gorilla. Well, had until he killed them all. <laughs> um, you know the alien witches. Um, yeah, they had like different tribes, man bats. But yeah. it's—I mean—that's certainly not like what you'd expect in a. I don't know what to call it. Normal human, you know. Well, if, environment. if you look how he drags around his food and even. Even uh, Fang in the one episode, he hasn't obviously gotten to the point of inventing the wheel yet. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like a very early caveman. And, so, yeah. you know, this other, this other group, I mean, obviously they have big Viking ship and oars and sails and everything. It's like definitely more advanced from over the sea and far away. Yeah. So how is he going to go after them? He has no way of traveling across the ocean, I, I well, don't he's, think. He's... Use vines and poles to uh, put together sleds. Maybe you can make a raft. Maybe. But I don't know how fast they can get after the Viking <laughs> ship. Unless well, maybe the other island isn't far away. I'll say this, Karen. When you watch it on Hulu, make sure you pay attention to the episode numbers. You don't want to jump <laughs> through your episodes. You'll be like, why is Spear talking and wearing clothes? And what's going on? And driving a car. Did you just <laughs> say yabba-dabba-doo? <laughs> There might be there might be a whole bedrock island out there too. You never know. That's true. I mean, it's Cartoon Network. They own Flintstones, right? God, they own everything animated almost now. Does Disney own them? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Give it time. Give it time. I know. Yeah, give Sooner it time. Sooner or later. <laughs> Well, so uh, any, any uh, you know, and we can keep on talking about Primal throughout, but I want to kind of segue into uh, what was the most counter animated series we could watch and talk about <laughs> against Primal? Because, you know, secretly, Karen and I like to drive Bob nuts and uh, we didn't do this one on purpose, but... <laughs> This poor well, guy was feminine on for the last two weeks. Secretly, they like to drive me towards Star Wars or Star Trek, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't escape it this episode. <laughs> this is kind of so like, it, see, this was like my big episode. So it's like suddenly this uh, this series comes in like the little kid when you're swimming and he comes and pees in the pool. 
Well, now look, this is interesting because when we first introduced the concept of, of talking about another show, I had no idea that Tartakovsky had worked on the Clone Wars, uh, the little mini series or mini vignettes that they had on Cartoon Network. I remember watching it on on TV and then bought the DVDs. And then, you know, that style of animation was kind of like the Samurai Jack uh, and so when Filoni came in, and I don't know how they transitioned between one Clone Wars series to the other, but when Filoni came in, they, you know, episode by episode, series by series, I felt they kind of changed and cleaned up the animation. They probably had more time and more money. But um, we're not going to talk about the Clone Wars, but we're going to talk about the Bad Batch. Uh the, the final episode just aired recently as we uh, recorded oh, this podcast. There's, there's two more. Is there two more? I thought, <laughs> okay. I, six, I, I thought, 16 episodes. I, 16? Yeah. Oh, I, I stand corrected. Thank you very much, Karen. But, um, okay, that makes more sense because the way it ended was kind of like, well, wait a minute. Um, what's going to happen next? Uh, what what do you think of the Bad Batch, Karen? Um, so for me, the Bad Batch, it, it's an interesting series. It's one of those series where I think it's kind of a filler series in between things. Like the Clone Wars, we kind of needed to understand what was really going on in the prequels. I, I feel like the Clone Wars, in a lot of ways, was better than what we got in the prequels. We... I mean, yeah, there was a lot of, you know, half-assed episodes in the Clone Wars. I mean, one week you'd you'd have like Anakin and Ahsoka and it'd be like, oh, this is great. And then you'd have like, oh, we're going to do two episodes about the droids. And it'd be like, OK, I don't need to tune in for two weeks or whatever. But but Clone Wars at least gave us the background of what happened in the Clone Wars. And it also made you appreciate why people cared about Anakin, which, mm-hmm. you know, I don't feel like you really got from the prequels. And it filled in that whole backstory really well. So it was like a pretty essential story. And then we also had Rebels. And I thought, you know, at first I was like poo-pooing Rebels. But then Rebels came in and also told a really good story about Agreed. You know what happened after and everything. Bad Batch for me right now, I, I like it. I don't love it. I feel like it's kind of an interesting story. And I, I feel like maybe... What it's doing is kind of showing that transition from the Republic to the Empire and having that angle of the clones. You know, the clones are basically... What happened to the clones? Right. right. They're no longer necessary. They're being put out to pasture. And so what uh, what happened with them? And it's it's a good group of characters. I enjoy the, the characters that they've brought in. But I feel like the, the episodes are very hit or miss right now. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, before we cut over to, to Chief, uh, amusing story about – and this is the Dave Filoni Clone Wars that we're talking about, not the Tartakovsky. Right. Right. Um, Filoni is does amazing work. And uh, uh, when the movie, I think it was a two hour animated movie came out, it actually hit theaters. And, and uh, I went with my friend Jay to watch it. And uh, we go to a matinee and we're the only two adult men with no children <laughs> with us. <laughs> it was a very awkward. <laughs> you should have bought, bought some kids clothes and like stuffed them with newspaper or something. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed Rebels as well. They they cut the Clone Wars series soon, uh, well, sooner than everyone felt they, or most people felt they should have. Mm-hmm. And we ended up getting that final season after the Rebels right. uh, animated series ended, um, which I thought was was interesting. Um the other thing I like about the Bad Batch is we're telling a story um, kind of in the not the spirit of the Mandalorian, but there are no Jedis or, you know, uh, Caleb was in the uh, first episode mm-hmm. and it, it kind of explained, you know, what happened in that situation. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to watch Star Wars stories without Jedi or Sith. Yeah. So uh, let's kick it over to the chief. Uh what are you thinking of the Bad Batch, Chief? And be honest with us. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know I've said on previous episodes that I'm kind of a Star Wars movie guy. I'm not really into the series. Aside from, I, I love The Mandalorian. That's really mm. good. Bad Batch, you know, I never watched Clone Wars, so I didn't have that background. Um, I love animation. So I think the thing that initially turned me off to Bad Batch was that the animation is sort of like it's CGI, but it's like bad video game animation. So the characters mm-hmm. have no expression. Their faces never change, aside from maybe an eyebrow going up or a mouth opening. Um, not a lot of emotion. No one to really care about. And mm-hmm. uh, just the animation is, is just was a big turnoff for me. So we watched, you know, I watched it with Lieutenant Debbie and Anson Michael who love the series and they watch it every week and they're, they're all caught up. <laughs> probably watched all 16 so far. Um, and I watched the first episode as well, like a, an hour and four minutes or something. And yeah, the first yeah, one was long. Like yeah. It seemed like it went on for about a day and a half. And then I watched the second and third and the half hour episodes moved along a lot better, but I just, that's as far as I got. I just couldn't, in, in, in the immortal words of our buddy Popeye the Sailor, that's all I can stands, I can't stands no more. So that's about well, as far we, as I uh, got. Well, we probably won't have a Bad Batch Part 2. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I could bring Ensign Michael on and he can talk for hours about it with you guys. I would have well, to maybe that'll be a, a bonus episode of Planet Eight at some point. But um, I, I enjoyed the whole concept of a Clone Force 99. And this group was introduced back in the uh, final season of the Clone Wars animated series. And, um, you know, they, they just had some clones that were a little glitchy. You know, they they kind of developed personalities outside of the matrix that the other clones um, had. Uh, look, in the animated show, the clones did kind of have uh, personalities that they develop eventually. They'd give themselves nicknames, you know, and so forth. But it was a very it was still very obvious that they were clones, um, you know. And then the tragedy of Order 66 um, in the first episode, Order 66 is given is given. And uh, the the Bad Batch is Hunter, Wrecker, Tech, and Crosshair. Um, it doesn't take, and and they're wondering why the clones are attacking Jedi. Um, I can't think of Caleb's uh, Jedi Master, uh, but but uh, she tells him run, you know, right. and and he does, and and you know they don't show her. What happened? So, so the bad batch goes after him to try to because they were working with him, and they're like, "Wait, wait!" And he, you know, he's uh, he's afraid. And then it's crosshair. Uh, his chip kicks in, 
for Order 66. And he's like, no, we got to follow orders. We got to follow orders. And I think he shoots at Caleb, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And Caleb is like, you know, forget you guys. That's it. And and he takes off on his note Two later show up in this series Rebels um, with with Hera and and Chopper and and all those guys, uh, which, like Karen had said, I agree with her. That is a very good uh, series as well. Um, and so a lot of the story that we go, uh, or or that, you know, happens in the bad batch is Hunter Wrecker and tech having to deal with crosshair. Um, you know, they're able to take their chips out, um, and they consider themselves brothers. So there's a tragedy to crosshair betraying them. And in a way, crosshair believing that they betrayed him. Um, on Camino, they come across a unmodified or unenhanced clone like Boba Fett, and her name is Echo. Oh, it, that's Omega. Omega, Omega. Sorry. Echo is the other guy from the Clone Wars. E- thank you, thank you. Echo is the other guy. O- Omega, and she has—is it Australian or some it's accent? Either that- Australian, New Zealand, one yeah. of those. Anyway, she has a special bond with the with the guys because she's a clone, they're a clone. And ultimately, what is Omega's role, you know, in, in the Star Wars story? Um, I don't know. Um, it's you know, wait and see. Yeah, it's I think we will probably find out. I hope we find out more in the, the final two episodes. I mean, at one point, Tech said that she was unaltered from Django Fett, but I find that a little hard to believe that that's the only reason uh, that, you know, they, the Kaminoans want to bring her back. I mean, and we know she's altered from his DNA because she's female, so there's right. some alterations, but, you know, she exhibits all these signs of, like, she's able to figure out strategies, she's able to, like, figure out how to repair things really quickly, and you know, do all this other stuff. So I think there's something more going on with her and like why they wanted to recover her so badly. And, you know, of course there's all these theories floating around out there, everything from like, Oh, they took some of Obi-Wan's DNA when he visited the um, Mm. the site and, you know, mixed it with Django Fett's and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I'm I'm sure we'll find out eventually. Yeah, definitely. One of the things, you know, you got to give Filoni credit. Um, he is able to go in and kind of fix, you know, I think with the Clone Wars, like Karen was saying, you kind of get a better understanding of why everybody cared so much about Anakin. Um, I love the fact that in the Clone Wars, they gave him a Padawan and Ahsoka not only played a huge role in the last season of the Clone Wars um, and in Rebels and now in the Mandalorian. And she's going to get her own live action series. That yeah. is like amazing to me well and who knows we may see the bad batch in live action as well potentially maybe Uh, maybe omega you know mm -hmm. if if not all of them um look the fact that he was able to tell hera a, a hera story when she was young and her interest in getting into the rebel alliance and fighting the empire um was great and another thing that i really enjoy are the discussions that like grand moff tarkin and and the other imperials are having as to whether or not to continue using clones or start getting recruits from across the galaxy because 
it was interesting. Clones are an unlimited source of soldiers, but there was a comment that made, well, we can recruit from the galaxy and that's an unlimited source mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, soldiers. Um, right. But apparently they're going the way of, uh, you know, uh, retiring all the clones. I and think. How they, yeah. How do they feel about that? I mean, order 66 be damned. You know, what, what do you personally think about being retired? It's kind of interesting because I think we always laugh about like stormtroopers who can't, you know, <laughs> shoot anything. They're worthless and stuff. But, you know, we were sort of given the idea from the prequels and Clone Wars that, you know, the clone troopers were actually pretty good soldiers. And so maybe the distinction is that, you know, they had to work with the Kaminoans and, and, you know, keep doing whatever they had to do to to get these clone troopers who were probably better soldiers. But if they just recruit people from planets, they have, like you say, an endless supply of people who maybe are not as good a soldier, but, you know, they don't really have to uh, make the kind of efforts they had to make with the Kaminoans. Yeah. Um who knows? But it is interesting also this whole question about, you know, Order 66 and the chips and how did that really work with the clones? And, you know, you see the Bad Batch was able to resist it. But there was also that other guy. Uh, I've got it in my notes. Rex. Well, he had his chip removed, I think, by Ahsoka. But then Ahsoka, yeah. Uh, he was fighting it. This Captain Hauser who was on Ryloth. Hauser, yeah. You know, so I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of interesting themes they're covering. I do feel like some of the episodes are very fillerish. Yeah. Um, but the last few episodes have, the last one, 14, was really good when they were rescuing uh, Gregor on that planet. Um, yeah. 14 was, really was good. Really and well. look, as with the Clone Wars, you had some stinker episodes, and then you had some episodes where you knew those were the toys coming that Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they wrap it up. If there's any big uh, guest star appearances by anybody we recognize, like you know Boba Fett or Darth Vader or who. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what the, the last couple episodes will bring. Yeah, well, you know, Chief, maybe you can watch like the first two and the last two, and those will be your bookends <laughs> for the bad batch. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, all else, the only other thing I can say is uh, I've been watching Ultraman Trigger on the Subaraya channel and uh, looking forward to What If and, and Hawkeye coming out. Yeah, but- yeah. Well, Karen and I were talking. We've been watching um, uh, He-Man Revelations. And... <laughs> I was surprised how interesting that series was. Um, I've never been a big He-Man fan. I never saw any He-Man. Well, see, that was kind of like the fork in the one of the fork in the roads for me in animation because when it got to the era of He-Man and Transformers and GoBots and GI <laughs> yeah. Joe and all that, I had already taken the other fork and was watching Yamato and Captain Harlock and Gatchaman and Lupin and Mazinger Z and all that kind of stuff. So I totally skipped that whole generation of He-Man and She-Ra and what have you. So mm-hmm. I really didn't have any interest in watching something based on something I never watched. But no. well, the only reason I watched He-Man Revelations is I saw so many tweets and videos and other things from people losing their mind, complaining about it and, and just like bitching about it. And I thought, okay, I got to check this out and see what people are so upset about 
And, uh, you know, I had a few hours to kill last weekend. And so I started to watch it and I thought, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. It's an interesting story. I don't know who these characters are, but it was kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah, it could, be, it could be like a situation where because you haven't watched the original, you're op- you're more open-minded to right. the newer version. And you're not like, oh, they've ruined this character that I love or whatever. Right. It's just, I, wow. I have no emotional attachment to it for sure. Um, I, I don't know the name of the of the shows, but I've I've tried to watch Godzilla anime on Netflix twice, and I I got in about a half hour, and I had to I had to stop. I just well the then, uh, the three films like Godzilla, Planet of Monsters, blah blah blah, just absolutely suck. And, uh, <laughs> okay. They moved at a pace the same pace as Godzilla did in the movies, which he just. He just stood around. He didn't do anything. The third movie, he's fighting Ghidra, who is this big lightning bolt thing. And I was on the phone with uh, Kevin talking to him while I was watching it. And I said, you know, Godzilla and Ghidra have been fighting for about 15 minutes now, and neither one has moved. (laughs) So, yeah, those suck. Singular Point is definitely acquired taste, and a lot of people love it. I wasn't, you know, I, I got through it. And my comment was, well, I never have to watch that again. <laughs> but, you know. Th- well, I, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Transformers, but I saw that there's a new animated Transformers series. So I'll check a couple of two or three episodes. Um, as an honorable animation mention, I, I will say the episodes were hard to watch, but Invincible over on Amazon. Is it Invincible? I think that's what it's called. The uh, Kirkman. Uh, uh, yeah. Michael was telling me about God. that one. He wanted to binge through it with me, but. Oh, I could only watch two or three episodes at a time. There, there's high drama and high gore. Oh. Yeah. I read the comics years ago. Did you really? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. It's very gory, Walker. That's not. Well, I got him. I got him from the library. Oh, okay. <laughs> and she ripped wow. out all the gory pages and returned it. There you go. <laughs> Do you, you guys have any, any uh, honorable anime mentions as we come to uh, to an end here before we do the censor sweep? Nothing yeah, you for might for be me, it's like, or... you know, Disco Tech has just been releasing all the old classic stuff. So, yeah, if you're into the old school anime, look up some of their titles. Um, mm. Trying to think. You know, as far as newer stuff, I don't know. You know, my cousin of mine is trying to get me into Cowboy Bebop, and I've watched a couple episodes, and I'll try to watch some more. Um, okay. But, yeah, I'm, I'm more of an old school guy. But, uh, like I said, I did watch all the uh, – oh, you know what was actually good was um, Gridman SSSS, which I think is on Netflix. And if you remember the old SSSS basically as a weird reference to when Gridman was brought over to here and called Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. And uh, this is sort of like an updated animated version, but it's really good. I, I would recommend that. All right. Well, listeners, check it out. Um, Bob, before I get into uh, yours, truly has a censor sweep uh, yes. this this episode. But Bob, you want to give us a little info about uh, some Godzilla uh, movies that uh, might be playing at the Bal at the Balboa. Balboa, my yes. my. Don't my, forget uh, the boa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we as I mentioned before, I think in a censor sweep, uh, we do have Godzilla Fest coming up two weekends in a row, August twentieth through the twenty first, and August. Uh, 
27th through the 29th. First weekend is King Kong Crashes Godzilla Fest with special guest Linda Miller, who starred in uh, King Kong Escapes and was also in The Green Slime. So we're going to have a, a very rare big screen uh, showing of The Green Slime as well as King Kong Escapes. And we'll have the original Kong and the 76 Kong, which I'm really looking forward to seeing on the big screen again. Um, 2005, Kong Skull Island, as well as a smattering of Godzilla films throughout, mostly from the Heisei series. And then the second weekend, TJ Storm is our guest. He was Godzilla in Legendary Films, the motion capture actor. So he'll be there, and we'll be showing the Legendary Films, as well as a lot of the Millennium series, and also like Shin Godzilla. So a lot of the newer stuff, we've been showing a lot of the Showa stuff lately, so we got the newer stuff. And uh, I'll be talking all about it and Godzilla and playing music and everything else on August 16th on KFJC's Thoughtline with Robert Emmett. And uh, Rob Emmett and I will be uh, on for an hour. I think uh, Linda's going to call in. Hopefully TJ will as well. And it's on KFJC 89.7 FM for those in the Bay Area or online at kfjc.org Monday, August 16th, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Okay. Thank you very much, Chief. It is now that part of the show that we like to call our sensor sweep and your mission commander uh, went to Walmart's far and wide and picked up the masters of the universe. Uh, they call them mini muglets. They're basically shot glasses in the shape of He-Man, Skeletor, Battle Cat, and Beast Man. And these are two-ounce ceramic uh, shot glasses put out by the good folks at Geek Tiki's. Uh, this little box set is very nicely uh, presented. Of course, Karen will post pictures uh, when the podcast goes. It has the face of Castle Grayskull on the front and pictures of the little muglets on the back and you can actually open the package it's wrapped in plastic and you can take a look at them for yourself and then there's uh, full-size mugs that are available and they have pictures of those on the inside of the packaging so if you uh, are able to go to i guess you could go to walmart.com uh, or if you have a local walmart walmart store these are available for purchase now can you drink out of them you can. They are actual two-ounce shot glasses. Um, you know, if you've gotten the Tiki mugs before, the Gilman or, uh, you know, the Gorn, you know, Geek Tiki's has a lot of licenses for, God, Justice League, Avengers, you name it. Um, they're kind of like the Funko of uh, Tiki mugs. Um, Indeed. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty cool. So if if you're able to, avail yourself you could watch he-man revelations and have a shot and might be easier to to watch the uh the, the episode <laughs> well you know <laughs> all right that brings this episode to a close thank you guys for staying with us thank you for your support your comments and uh, subscribing to our youtube page and our facebook our twitter um appreciate you guys stay safe until next time on that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Planet8Podcast. 
We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.